Hey everyone, I'm Sheree Robinson. And I'm Hannah Donovan, and you're listening to It Just Got Real. And it did get real. You know why it's real? Because we're still freaking stuck. We're still stuck in the house. It's still quarantining, and Sour Patch Kids feel like a proper food group. (laughs) (laughs) For real. So what's going on in your life, Han? What's happening? I have been in rewrite hell. I have rewritten our pitch deck so many times. And I know that this is a part of fundraising. Telling your story and getting the story right is like one of the hardest things. Any founder is going to tell you that you you write a deck and then you throw it out and you write another deck and you keep going until you've written like 800 decks. It's like version 24. <laughs> no, it's like version 824. <laughs> and so I'd gotten to version 824. And you know how you reach that point when you're rewriting? You get to a point where you've rewritten it so many times that it's like way worse than what you actually started with. <laughs> I'm laughing because I think I looked at my first pitch deck recently and I was like, that was that's actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the first thing you write or, you know, this happens with other things too. With like when I was in design school, like drawing or painting, you can like overwork something. There's a point where you should just stop because it was like better before, like six versions ago. And you're just trying to get everybody's feedback in and change every sentence and every slide. And like it was overworked. It just looked like it was barely even the flow anymore. It was just over-edited. So I like burned that shit to the ground and started all over again and wrote a completely new deck. This was like the last month, basically last few weeks. And the great news is the new deck is way better. The story is landing. People get it. I'm communicating what I need to be communicating about this company And so that feels amazing. And for those of you who are listening in for the first time or you don't know what I'm talking about, I run a company called Trash, which is a company that helps you make video really quickly on your phone with one tap. So we make it as easy to make a video as taking a Polaroid photo, really. And to communicate this is pretty difficult because we use a lot of artificial intelligence to make this happen. There's a lot of pieces of the business to talk about. Anyway, the story was finally working and I was just like, oh, thank God. I'm like out of that rewrite hell. It's like writing, you know, like a paper in college or something or like writing anything. I once had someone tell me that writing, the act of writing is like vomiting. There is (laughs) nothing about it that is (laughs) pleasant until after you finish. And then you feel good. Your tummy doesn't hurt anymore. And then you feel good because you got it done. (laughs) So you're talking about this, but like... Yeah, I can thank my ex-girlfriend for that one. So I got this rewrite done. Content's finally landing. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm out of the woods. Everything's good. Today, I was getting some more feedback from a mentor in this accelerator program that we're in right now with Snap, the yellow accelerator program. Really smart guy, great storyteller, design and product background, also a VC. And he listens to it and he's like, but where's the passion and the energy for why you're doing this thing? He was like, your pitch sounds very, a bit clinical. He was like, it's kind of like the format that everybody uses, which if you've ever looked up the format for like what it is, it's basically <laughs> while at company X, I came up with an idea for Y. So then leaning on my background in Z, I came up with like 
new brilliant idea, ABC, and teamed up with this amazing person, and I have this incredible team, and blah, blah, blah. That's the pitch formula, right? Mm -hmm. We all know it. Mm -hmm. And I was doing that, and he was like, but where's the passion? And I was just kind of like, I paused, and then I got like, annoyed on this phone call i got like kind of like <laughs> after you rewrote your pitch you're like what you mean did you see this deck like this is amazing and he's like no he's like no he's like where's the passion and i was like damn it i've been doing this my whole career i've been working in tools for self-expression since like 2006 professionally like even before that when i was in college i've built so many different things now for people to express their selves, to share their creativity. I've literally been doing this my whole career. And I could have so many times, I could have had a much better paying job at a super fancy tech company. And I even went and did those interviews and I walked off those campuses because I knew I needed to do this other thing. And I've been doing this other thing now for over a decade and I'm still fucking doing this thing. And he was like, stop, stop. He was like, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly what you need to say. And the reason that you need to say that is because people want to know that you have the grit to keep going and that you're going to do this 24 seven from a hole in the ground if you have to. So I was like, huh? Okay. I mean, that's super real. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine you feeling really good about the place you've arrived, walking into this dude's office or- Zoom office. <laughs> oh, Zoom, that's right. We're inside. Into the Zoom. Into the Zoom. <laughs> Everything's in the Zoom. <laughs> Sitting into the Zoom. And I would imagine, like, one, I want to know, like, how did you actually feel when he said it? And then, like, I guess my other question for you is, like, why have you been doing this? Well, I felt like- I don't know. It was a combination. It was just such a real feeling. Like I felt at the same time, like, oh, of course, of course I should be doing that. And then also like mad at myself for not realizing this. Mm-hmm. Of course, business isn't just clinical. And then like frustrated because I've been also given a lot of feedback my whole career that I'm too passionate and that I needed to become more dry, more operational, more numerical Mm -hmm. in my storytelling. Mm -hmm. Don't give me the whole story, Hannah. I want to see one slide with numbers on it that tell a story, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And so I wondered like, did I over rotate on that feedback? Like, have I let the pendulum Mm -hmm. swing too Mm -hmm. far the other direction now and like kind of lost who I was? Like, it's a really weird thing to get feedback on something that you is the inverse of what you've been getting feedback on all along. That's like really strange, right? Right. And then also I was kind of like relieved too because I was like, well, damn it. Like if that's what was missing, then I should be able to do this. Mm-hmm. But then like digging deeper, I also, <laughs> and this might just be like quarantine and me like having like a weird, totally by myself looking in the mirror existential crisis moment. <laughs> But it's like, but why, Hannah? Like, why are you really doing this? Like, why have you spent your whole career working on this problem? Like, why? I'm like, ah, you know, like that. And the heavens open up and shining light on you. You're by yourself. I know. And it's like that scene from Zoolander where he's like, but who am I? But but who are you, though? And why are you doing this? Actually, answer this question. Like, I actually need to know. I need the answer to this question now. You know that feeling where you're just like, you're on a treadmill and you're running and you're running and you're running and you're going. Then finally like, oh, but wait a minute. Like, why am I doing this thing? And you kind of, 
I mean, I know, like deep down, I know, I think I know, but like the answer isn't very well packaged. Mm -hmm. And so I, I called my sister. When you're panicking, like, oh my God, who am I on a Friday night? Like walking laps around my neighborhood, <laughs> like alone with a mask on being like, who am I? Why am I doing this? Oh my God, I need to an answer for this so quickly for this pitch tomorrow. So I called my sister who's doing her master's in psychology and I'm like, yo, Sophie, like, why do you think I do this? Like, what's your take? You know things about brains or something. (laughs) Like, help me, please. (laughs) And so she was like, well, all right. Part of it is like, we come from a big family. And uh, I have five younger sisters. And that's a lot of people like growing up in a big family for anybody who's grown up with like a, a lot of people around them. It's just like a lot of chaos, a lot of randomness. And so standing out is kind of like a thing on a lot of levels, sometimes just to like stand out above the noise so that people actually hear you. But also I think to differentiate and to be individual. And when I look at how we've all grown up, we're all very different from each other. Like my sisters and I are all very unique individual people. We all have like our own thing that we do. I think that that might be part of it, you know? Otherwise, it's kind of like you're just like this kind of blob of siblings. Mm. So this idea of like one expressing yourself as an individual, which would then make you want to create something that allows people to express themselves as individuals, like in in the raw. Yeah. Exactly. And then the creative thing, here's what's more wild. So there was two more things that she noticed was we also grew up basically without television. So my mom is an English professor and a writer. And uh, oh, see, look, we're talking about my mom on this episode. We talked about your mom last time. Hey, mom. <laughs> and so my mom didn't let us really watch TV. I think we were allowed to watch like one channel that was like educational. And so we really had to make our own fun. And that was actually how I first got into making videos as I was like running around with a Hyatt camera, taping everything, editing on VHS. But we were like always getting up to stuff to like make these really elaborate like experiences and plays and videos and like so much performance. And like we had this like costume box, like I was really into it because there was like nothing else to do. And then also what she pointed out was there's a big age span with us too. We're 15 years apart total, me and my youngest sister. So different ages, different abilities, different levels of understanding and development, meaning that of course, you're going to have to find something that kind of works for everybody and find a way for everybody to be able to connect through an experience and everybody to take something away from it and get something out of it. And so that was where we got to. And I think there's definitely something in there, but I clearly, I have my marching orders now, which is I know that I need to work more on how to explain this purpose. I think that's probably part of your marching orders. But my other thought in listening to your, I kind of felt like I was like listening to like a a Marvel origin story. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was that cool. (laughs) Trash the movie. But I think the thing I was listening to is like, you've been creating this company all your life, but like not as a company. Mm. You've been doing video, you've been directing, you've been democratizing experiences. Like these are the things you do with trash. Like, and I say this as a person that actually uses hands app a lot in my company because 
we don't have any money for a whole video team, but it's a separate thing. <laughs> That's why we make it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. But I think the thing I hear is like, you have been a person who was already trying to find your own expression of individuality and you were already a maker. And in many ways, those two things are the baseline of the company you ended up building. And I think what's important about that is we're building consumer companies. I traveled to Africa and in many ways, like found myself and this whole connection. And now I'm running a company that helps other people do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a successful consumer company out there that didn't happen that way. Mm. You know, Mark Zuckerberg wanted to connect to other students at Harvard. When he started Facebook, he was friending us just like Tom was on MySpace. So I think you, your other marching order outside of the like emotive element of the pitch is really just like leaning into being the customer and the user of trash Mm. because you were that, which is why you started it. Mm -hmm. If I think about restaurant A versus restaurant B, right? The restaurants I remember and go back to again and again are the ones where I'm like, knowing the owner like would eat that food on his own every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like with music even. Like I think that most of us naturally resonate to businesses where we feel that within the business. And anything that feels like, you know, some business dude had a bunch of money like the vegetarian place downstairs from my office when I was going to my office. Like there's like a vegetarian place downstairs I was super excited about. And it literally feels like some person had a lot of money, knew that like people were being faux vegan in the streets now and was like, I'm going to make this restaurant and I've dissected which part of Chelsea it should be. And I'm going to do a paint by numbers veggie place. And it's freaking horrible. I've tried it four times. Not even rabbits would eat this. This is just disgusting. <laughs> but I know he wouldn't eat that food. Yeah. And so I think like for anyone building something, especially if you're trying to sell it to other people and not like big businesses, it's really important to know that the best companies are the ones where the people who create them are its customers. I think that that's the only way to get far because you can't paint by number feeling and sentiment. And that's why people buy things and use things, mm-hmm. not just because it makes sense, yeah. not just because there's a market opportunity. It has to make sense. There needs to be a business story. There needs to be a need. But on top of that, there has to be a feeling that they can connect with. And that's what this guy was telling me. He was like, show me the feeling that I can connect with, not just that like you know how to do this and you have the experience and you saw an opportunity. Yeah. So it's funny that we're talking about feelings somebody can connect with. I'm going to read you something that's currently driving me slightly crazy. It's kind of like, how long are we going to do this for? So I saw this on Twitter and it says, emails now be like, I hope you are staying safe, sheltered in place, stocked with toilet paper and healthy during these absolutely unprecedented, wild, chaotic, terrifying times. Just wanted to follow up. <laughs> like, that's what I'm feeling. There's our record scratch moments. What? Yeah. How long are we going to have to write our emails like this? I know. I was having the same conversation with one of our advisors the other night, and she was just like, 
you know, I do a lot of chasing up in my job. It's kind of part of what I do. And I'm having to write these emails like, so, you know, I hope you're staying safe and healthy, blah, blah, blah. But like just following up about <laughs> the contracts, like where are people trying to market? It's like every email from someone trying to sell me something is like, hey, I'm so-and-so, the CEO of this thing who's clearly not sending this damn email. And I really hope you and your family are safe. Mattresses are now $9.99. It's <laughs> It's like, who did they get to write? The greetings are way too much. Grammarly should just like delete that shit out of there. Like, don't they have a like a plugin for that yet? Where they're like, looks like you're trying to write some extra fluff about COVID. Why don't you just delete that from your email? Because nobody wants to read that garbage anymore. I mean, it's like a real thing, right? Because on one hand, like when I'm cold emailing people or reaching out to someone that I haven't talked to in a while, like I had to email one of our advisors actually last night that I hadn't spoken to in some weeks. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? How's your family? You know, like, I'm genuinely concerned. But then I was also like, I need to ask you for a bunch of stuff. (laughs) And (laughs) now that's out the way, it's making them really long. It's like hard to get that balance. Because of course, in business, you shouldn't be writing emails like that. Like I remember this one time this young founder asked me, she was like, how come people are not responding to this? Like, cold outreach email. And I was like, girl, you got to like take all this extra fluff out of here. It looks like you spent way too long writing this and men don't do this. They write like one line, like here's the pitch deck. Meet me on Tuesday. This is my phone number. Call me. They don't write long, fancy, fluffy things and we can't do it either. Or people won't take us seriously because they're going to think we have too much time on our hands, which we don't. So I like write one line emails, (laughs) but this whole thing is throwing me like, I don't actually know what to do, but I hope the long emails aren't coming back. Well, what's funny to me is that emails now feel like my meetings when I'm in Africa, to be honest, like when I'm in Ghana or Nigeria, like you actually don't do that. Culturally, you cannot go into a meeting and think any part of the first 30 minutes of that meeting are going to be about what you came to meet about. Mm. It's not happening. You have to be talking about each other's family. Mm -hmm. Are you married or single? You got to be talking about what you did this weekend. Like, what did you eat for dinner? Did you, who has better jollof rice? Like you've got to have like all of the combos before you get to like, and I actually wanted you to just like sign this MOU for me. But I will say it has taught me a lot, like exchanging these pleasantries as much as I'm like, this is getting old. It's getting old to me because it feels like faux empathy. Mm. That's why it's getting old. Not that actually taking the time to ask about people I like that part. Like, I like that part of this thing. Mm -hmm. But my record scratch is like, to the point where it's like the COVID greeting, like MailChimp might have it as a setting now. Like, where it's like, insert the COVID opener. (laughs) It's like written by Clippy. Yes, that (laughs) is the part that I'm like, I don't want this to be a thing. Like, but then I'm also like, ah, this thing is dragging out. So maybe you like genuinely do need to like ask it. But I don't know. It feels like I'm writing love letters every time I write an email. They remind me of when emails first appeared, if you remember the time when like email became a thing, which was like, I don't know, I was like a kid, but I sort of remember this. And it's like, you would write them very formally, like, dear so-and-so, I'm electronically <laughs> sending this to you. Like, it's like that again. Oh my God. <laughs> From please. AOL. Like, we might as well have AOL loading up the email. Do you remember those noises? It was like, like, what's happening? <laughs> I don't really believe those noises were necessary. I felt like some person was like, this like 
lets them know the internet is working. But you know, people need that stuff. It's interesting you mentioned that because in Design Crit the other week at our company, we were talking about some UI for making these videos that we create. And the topic of how do we show that the AI is working comes up. And like, this actually happens in a lot of interfaces. So like the first one that sprang to mind for me was Shazam. Like when you open it up, it shows you that it's listening so that like you get it. You're like, oh, the app is listening to the song. It's going to identify it for me. But there's other things that do this too, like Google Maps. Like when you route something, it shows you like, do, 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 here's three different ways you could go. And it's like, oh, wow, Dijkstra's algorithm actually works, you know, or other things like this in computer vision and facial recognition and stuff. And so it felt kind of silly, but I was like, yeah, we actually need to add something to this UI, this interface to make it look a little bit more like we're seeing and recognizing and hearing and watching and understanding this video so that people know the AI is working. And to hear you say that right now about email, like, yeah, in 10 years, we're going to think that's silly because it's just going to be, I don't know, like implanted in our skin or something. But yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Um, but like today we still need to show people what's happening with the computer because it's a new concept. Hmm. Very, very funny. So we're talking about what's happening with computers. Let's talk about what's happening in the damn world. What have we been peeping this week? Well, I'll tell you every time I open my phone and look at Instagram, everybody is live like 10 PM weeknight. The whole damn world is live. Even people that I'm like, what? You're going live? <laughs> like, everybody's live. <laughs> in fact, our content strategist put this in our Slack the other day. She was like, look at this screenshot of just like the whole top row is like live, live, live. And I think what's really cool actually is watching how artists are using this. No, absolutely. Literally this morning, I was up at 6.30 a.m. Why? That is not my Corona rise time. Just so everyone knows, I'm not that person. (laughs) But my son totally woke me up. And I can't tell if he pulled an all-nighter playing Fortnite or what happened. Like, I don't know. But (laughs) I'm not a bad mom. It's just I was tired and I went to sleep before. (laughs) Anyway, I got on Instagram because we're like promoting this conference. And I was like, how are we doing? And so I saw Swizz Beats on Instagram Live. And I was super excited because I love Swizz Beats. And mm. I feel like he was the soundtrack to my like teenage life. But at 6.30 in the morning? This is what I'm saying. <laughs> so I see Swizz Beats on at 6.30 a.m. And he clearly has not been to sleep. He definitely has like bag under his eyes. He's got like the COVID <laughs> quarantine beard action, like just hair all over his face. And then Joe Budden gets on with Swiss Beats, also with the like not shaven self, with a red cup, like a red solo cup. So he's like obviously not drinking coffee. Reminder, this is 6.30 a.m. Definitely has not had a shower. Nobody showered. <laughs> I don't even know if people have brushed their teeth. Like, honestly. like No, they didn't go to sleep. <laughs> no, but that was why it was dope. Mm-hmm. Like, it was dope because I felt like I just rolled out of bed and so did Swizz Beats and Joe Budden never made it. I don't know. But like, it was almost like if you're traveling and you like party all night, the early birds are leaving the hotel, but like on Instagram live. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like pre this moment with coronavirus, people thought live video had to be a whole production. Mm -hmm. Like they had to be on set and have a team and got to have me. And so something about artists being like, or I'm going to just, you know, be up with my red cup and I'm going to play some music and like still having 2000 people 
watching you at 6 30 in the morning or probably it's more like 20,000. But the IDGAF about it, like, I think that is what's a really, really dope mm-hmm. moment with this, like, we all home. Who cares? Yeah. Like, are we even getting dressed? And I'm going to produce this content, like, with that lens. <laughs> yeah. So we actually were dropping this feature right before the Rona happened that was um, for artists to be able to make their own videos using their own music, which is very, very needed. Like, every artist needs a video for their track. Mm-hmm. Videos are super expensive. If you don't have a video for YouTube, like, what are you going to do? Like, make one of those dank lyric videos or something <laughs> like that? Put your album artwork on there still? Right, like, right. come on. We can help you do better than that. <laughs> and so... We had executed one session in studio where we offered a bunch of independent artists through this partner that we're working with the opportunity to get a professional shoot in the studio with us and then make a video. And everybody signed up right away. It was a ton of fun. We had an amazing time. Like at the end of the day, we were like, oh my God, this was great. Let's do this again. Mm -hmm. We did it at Max Senate Studios in Silver Lake in Los Angeles. We're like, we'll be back here next week. And then lockdown happened and we were like, wow, okay, never mind. We're going to have to completely shift our plan. And so instead we've been onboarding artists remotely over Zoom, which has also been going really well because everybody needs content right now. But at first I was kind of like, huh, it seems like it might be really difficult to like convince people to make video in their house. And now the house is the only set you got. And now over the last few weeks that I feel like that has just markedly changed and people are like fine with it. We have enough examples of like really dope artists doing like inventive stuff in their homes and other artists can look at it and they're like, yeah, I can do that. Sure. Why not? Okay, that's me in my kitchen. Cool. I mean, I did a whole DJ set <laughs> from my kitchen today. And it was so funny. So I <laughs> I totally did. So I went to my kitchen and I've never DJed live on my own channel, but like it's Corona. Mm. Oh, so did you go live today? I totally went live today. I DJed a whole live set today. So, That's amazing. How come you didn't tell me? I didn't tell anybody. I just did it. I just was like, I'm doing this now. I felt like it. <laughs> But what was funny is I totally had the jankiest setup. I even showed the crowd my janky setup. I had like the chocolate croissants and the regular croissant boxes like stacked to put like the Bluetooth speaker I use. Wait a minute. Who has two types of croissants in their kitchen? We're fancy in my house. My son. (laughs) We've gone to Paris and we like to have our... I made crepes this morning for breakfast. 7 a.m. I made like... A whole Nutella strawberry crepe and then like a... You were just like watching Swiss Beats Live making crepes in your kitchen. At 6.30. That was my life today. <laughs> like if I had a Moet bottle, I'd have had that too. <laughs> I was on like a 7.30 a.m. call where I didn't have my video on because I was low-key like still putting on my makeup while I was on the My phone. morning this morning was the most. It was crepes. It was Swiss Beats and Joe Budden and make you my DJ station out of books and yes if you book a morning call with me I'm definitely doing my hair while I'm on the phone with you <laughs> I do it all I just chuck my pillow to the side of my bed so that it just looks like a wall like it's a nondescript wall but it really it's the wall in the back of my bed <laughs> my son is also like now doing school and we also call there's like this one couch in like the proper living room in our house and now it's the school office couch like just one word, school office mm-hmm. couch. So he has like the classroom is at one end of the couch. My office is at the other end of the couch. 
And then when we're not actively working, it gets to like just be the couch. So that like, the school office couch is like the headquarters for like getting it done in our house during the quarantine. That's hilarious. I was talking to my friend the other night and she was like, I've set tables up all over my apartment. I have a table for literally every activity that I do. It's on its own dedicated table. <laughs> Like, oh my god we're all going insane but i sort of feel you because i was like i only have one table and i have i eat meals on it i do my work on it i have coffee at it she was like no i got different table stations she was like my apartment looks crazy i like it, I like it. i've got a like robe dividing the office in the classroom like there's a robe in between so he's like oh my god that's <laughs> I mean, what are we going to do? But I think, you know, people being willing to just show their homes and themselves and go live, like, okay, I'm looking at my phone right now. Like, who's live right now? I don't know. Questlove's live. Let's see what he's doing. Okay, there he is. He's just, like, DJing in his home. It looks nice. There we go. But, like, people are literally doing this, like, every time I open it up. And it's interesting that they're um, so much more willing to show themselves. People are just being real live because there's no other way to do it anymore. And all of this like necessity for production and I don't know, just all the glamour of it has has really fallen by the wayside. And I wonder what it will be like after all of this is over. Like, is this like a new style of video? Is yeah. this like the real new reality TV? Like, is this it? Is this going to become the thing that we're all going right. to gravitate to? Because it does feel so relatable. Absolutely. And relatable is key. When I worked at Vine, we would often talk about the best performing Vines were often ones that were really relatable content where you're like, oh my God, that happens mm -hmm. to me all mm -hmm. the time, right? Like those mm -hmm. kinds of jokes. And so I wonder how um, produced our video is going to be in the future because this is really changing things right now. No, absolutely. I'm loving it. I'm here for Joe Budden, red cups and no sleep. Like I've been there. I've been the person who's like, I'm so drunk, you know, what's my decision going to be? Am I going to drink some more and like, keep it going? Or am I going to have a coffee? Like I've, <laughs> I've been there. So I, I felt like I was right there with them in the morning. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I feel like it's a good thing. I kind of don't want us to be buttoned up again, but say la vie. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Because what's interesting is we're also at this moment in history right now where nothing needs to be real in video anymore. Like we're not going to need green screens. We're not going to need sound stages. We're going to be able to do all sorts of stuff where we're going to be able to put you in a different frame. Like this is already happening with a lot of video apps today. Mm -hmm. You can do like wild amounts of digital makeup now like there's so many opportunities for completely changing your surrounding and your aesthetic and like even just the zoom backgrounds like there's a lot that you can do if you don't want to be real too because we can do all this stuff <laughs> the other person that did a really funny instagram live today was um jadena it started this thing called jadena and friends and it's like a thursday night live situation and so he's on there and he is home, but is like outfitted as this like 70s black exploitation character and had this like dig voice every five seconds. It's freaking hilarious. It was like one of his friends that like also works with him on music and stuff, but it's like still it felt like two friends just doing a thing. Mm -hmm. And his friend George, who is actually someone I know and have known for a while too. He had this, like, um, I don't know if it was a Zoom background or, like, what was going on, but it was, like, an, a moving island background. And 
he was saying like he was starting like a new commune on Negro Island, which was freaking hilarious. Obviously, this is like being funny. So they're not trying to be like realistic about it. But like they basically created like a whole actual show from their couches with no executive producers, no team. I mean, I'm sure they thought about it. They had just come up with a concept. And they just did it. Put on some costumes and just did it. And it was phenomenal. It was excellent. And I was just like, this is the content we need. This is like the real, real, real. That's so cool. It was great. And and I, I want that to keep going. And I mean, I don't know. It's kind of funny, like bringing it full circle to what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, even in that, Artists are producing the things they would want to consume. Yeah. They're playing the songs they want to listen to. They're doing it when they want to. They're, you know, being the entertainer they usually want to be without having to run it through the record label. Mm -hmm. In the same way that you needing to be your own Mm -hmm. customer and tell your own story as you're like looking through this breakthrough. Like, I think this thing that we're seeing in in the music industry and, and with music artists in particular is the same thing that like, as founders of consumer companies, like we've got to do the same thing. We've got to make the things that we want, even in this time of like not really having the things we're used to. Mm-hmm. That resonates with me so much when you were saying that, like making the show and having the background. I was like, oh, that's like exactly what I would do with my sisters when I was younger. I would be always making these like wild, super elaborate sets with costumes and like recording the whole thing and just like, you know, using like whatever we had around the house to do it, you know. And it's really amazing how much we have at our fingertips now in terms of these tools and just like being able to throw it all together I guess to to wrap it up, I had to do um, a video interview from my apartment this week for a sizzle reel with like an AV producer on the, the other end. And I was like, all right, let me make this not suck. So I like really rigged the lighting in my apartment and like the time of day. And I'm like using the window as like a full softbox in front of my face. And I have like one of those LifeX bulbs that like changes color. So I had like a cool like purple cast on me and then like plants in the background and like got dressed and like did my makeup and like she was like, oh my God, you look so great. She was like, I knew you were going to bring it to this interview that you'd like. This was just like some random like Tuesday afternoon. I had to like pull this out of my ass. And it reminded me of that where it's like, what do I have around me? How do I make this like look okay? I mean, that's, that's it. <laughs> and it did. I think it actually probably looked okay. Like looking at the at the video when we recorded it, I was like, this could have been a set. You see? <laughs> You talked about your marching orders. Here they are. Make your own set in your apartment. There they are. Make your own set. So the takeaways here, I think, like to wrap this up because... We got to go. Because we've been talking for a minute. Yeah, this like importance of being able to tap into your, I think like your emotional self when you're telling your story. That the story isn't just about the business need or the pragmatic reasons, but there's also an element of why are you passionate about this? And the reason that people can connect with you through it. Absolutely. And I think once you know that, like making sure that as you march along in storytelling, whether it's for investors, whether it's for partnerships you're trying to get, like making sure that you lean into that and that full expression of self in your business as much as you can. And and it doesn't mean you're like, creating like, you know, an Oscar moment every time you're talking about your business. But it does mean that like that sense of why is super clear in how you march along and and that it guides you. Like, I I think that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Those marching orders and actually marching them now, those are very different things. I feel like I have my work cut out for me, but accepting it and knowing it is the first step. Yeah. Yeah. And the last takeaway, people, please, those long emails, let's not go there. The long emails are not the step. <laughs> they like, are not the nope, step. Not doing it. <laughs> but we believe in you. You got this. All right. Until next week. <laughs>